Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Hello and welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 40. Today, we're going to be talking with Canis Hart of Park City Run Company. So if this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome back to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode 40. That's groundbreaking at some level. Right. And we are back to, again, it's our home away from home. It is. I checked the voicemails and I didn't get any mail yet, but uh, we're back at Park City Running Company, one of our favorite spots. I we've, think so. We've already done the loop, went through the store, checked everything out, <laughs> checked see if any new news come in after two weeks. Yep. Because <laughs> that's when we were here last. So we're here today. We're going to do uh, a fun show. First up, we've got uh, Canis. Uh, he's been on our show before. He was with us on episode number 20. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's been a little while. It has been a little while. And you, bef- before we had you on, you were getting ready for a big year, and now all those kind of races are done. Yeah. So now yeah. we can revisit and see where we're at and how they went. And, and now it's next? time to get my head ready for what's next. So. Yeah, yeah, what's next? So, I mean, we can start off. We had you back in March um, around 17th, and you still had coming up, you still had the Gorge race, right? Yep. And you had Miwok. Yep. And then the little race, the um, Western States, that was still on the docket. <laughs> little startup race. Little yeah. startup race. Start up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new. new yeah, yeah. crowdfunded yeah. it, didn't they? Crowdfunded, yeah. yeah, there you go. So, I mean, walk us through since we had you on the show last. I mean, the store's doing great, it looks like. I mean, we love it here. So, um, you know, we've been visiting a few times now. Yep. Um, but far as the races go, kind of building up, because obviously Western's an A race. That's one everybody wants to get to. Plus, if you haven't heard... I recommend you listen to episode 20 because there's a story behind Western States for Canis. Right. You know, it was kind of like a coming back and uh, I don't know the best word for it, but something you'd had on your DACA for quite a while. Yeah, it's actually, a, you know, you easily say it's what got me into ultra running at some level. I mean, uh, interesting enough is so the, the story essentially goes back to when my, uh, I was commuting to work on a motorcycle and a steel pipe came off a truck in front of me and went through my knee at about 55 miles per hour. Could have been a little faster, but I mean, it's, it's about as ugly as you might imagine that would be. And uh, I had to sign a release to have my leg amputated and, you know, did not. And uh, the doctor saved it and five surgeries, I think now later and, you know, still out running. And, but I had said uh, at one point to the doctor, I had said to him that, you know, I really wanted to run Western States. And, uh, and it was this 100-mile race. And he laughed, you know, laughed out loud. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where it didn't sit very well with me. He wasn't trying to be, uh, you know, mean about it. I think it was more like tough love. But it was like, you know, you're not going to run 10 miles, let alone run 100 miles is what he said. And uh, so to be able to run 100 miles, you know, to be able to, to do that, or in my case, to get to Western States was a, a really big deal. 
Um, but a lot happened between now and then. By chance, a friend of mine had run uh, Wasatch, and I paced her, and that was actually my kind of intro, really, into running ultras myself and being around it and exposed. And uh, so, yes, it was a, a long road coming. So I, what I do, I hurt my knee in um, 2002. Wow. Okay. So this is all this time to here we are now in 2016 and as everybody or most people know getting into western states <laughs> just with the lottery is can be like uh years many years right, yeah. and so i got i got in this year and then yeah you know it's one of those things you know like once you're in and after having set that as a goal you're like well i've got to respect this thing and honor it right and, you know do it right so uh yeah so that was a part of what my whole race schedule was set up around uh this year was leading up to that race so you went to Gorge first. Did you do the 100K there? Yeah, so uh, the basic plan was, uh, and what, what I did is uh, through the winter was to uh, a good friend of mine, Dominic Layfield. So Dom and I run together a fair amount. And basically what we planned on doing was trying to get me up to like running six days a week, an hour a day to two hours a day. And uh, I think the plan was to try to shoot for seven days a week, you know, assuming you're going to miss a day or something like that. And uh, there were times when I was really hitting that, like when I was actually getting that. And then there are other times with work and with having a store that's new and getting it up and running, you know, like and kids and family. And, you know, you miss a lot of those days. So like like probably most people out there, you know, life uh, sometimes gets in the way you're training. But, yep. you know, I try to stay pretty true to it. Um, I think I <coughs> I think probably a fair assessment is I probably hit. I feel like I was like 40% trained up the way I wanted to be trained. Uh, maybe a little bit more. I definitely had some legs under me this time, but, but I feel like I could have done so much more training probably. Maybe it, maybe it was a little better than that. But part of that plan was to hit the Gorge 100K April 2nd, and then that would force me to run through the winter to really make sure I was ready for it. Right. And then uh, I ran, um, you know, our local uh, fun uh, bow show marathon, uh, which is uh, kind of a bootleg marathon that happens. Never, never heard of it. Never no. heard of it. It doesn't. <laughs> if if it does exist, it happens the same day as the uh, Salt Lake Marathon, but yep. on trails. Uh, but I used it as a training run, so I went uh, depleted on that. So I went zero calories and uh, zero water uh, for that whole marathon, just to like. So how'd that go? Yeah. You know, uh, I was hungry and thirsty at points, but <laughs> it actually went really well. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, really pleased with the way that uh, kind of came through. And then uh, two weeks later was um, the Miwok 100K. Okay. So basically, there was 100K April 2nd, 100K May 7th. Mm -hmm. and then at the end of May on Memorial Day, which this is a, you know, a super cool weekend that we all need to get everybody out to do, is the Western States Training Camp. That looks like fun. It, it, it's fun. a ton of fun. It's over 400 people show up to that thing. And they have buses hauling you around, and there's food, and there's some aid stations. But essentially, anybody can sign up for it. Mm. It's three days of running. You run 70 miles of the course. And uh, really the thing to do would be, like, get a big group together, get a house, oh, some awesome. pool kind of thing, and then just, like, hang out because it's an incredible, like, fun and uh, thing to do. But so that was 70 miles. So it kind of went, um, you know, Gorge, uh, the Bow Show, Miwok, training camp, and then into Western States. So do you think the training camp gave you a pretty good taste of what was to come? Yeah, no, I think the training camp was great. I, I think it did exactly that. It's um, I, I do think it's one of these things where – uh, Western states to me, and, and I know this is probably wrong, but because the times are so fast that people are running it, right? you know, and I think about the trails we run in the Wasatch, I thought to myself, oh, well, you know, this is easy. This must be an easy course. Right. And a friend of mine, Leslie Hallett and I, that were running together out there, um, we both were saying the same thing. We're like, well, actually, this course isn't easy. You know, it's like you get out there on the training camp and you get to see that. Right. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Actually, there is, you know, one, you learn that, 
what is easy is that there's well seemingly easy right there's a lot of descending right you know, on that course yeah. i think it's 18,000 roughly 18,000 feet of gain and 23,000 feet of loss through the course and the way that course lines up you don't run the first 30 miles you run the last 70 miles in training camp so i didn't get to okay. see the first 30 until the race but the first 30 miles is sort of traditional mountain running like we have okay. here right and then uh what you're doing is you're you pick up things like some fire roads you'll pick up single track trails you'll have rocky descents for that balance of that 70 but predominantly you're starting to move downhill as you do that but there's some really big climbs that happen right in the heat of the day on the race and like uh, when i ran the race this year um, I think the temperature they said was 104 throughout the day. Now, how did so, you do with that? Uh, I felt like I was running from ice station to ice station. Were you really? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So Western States is, um, you know, you're not, you know, just jumping ahead a little bit, I guess, into Western itself. But like, you know, one of the amazing stats. There's 355 runners in it. They had 2,100 volunteers. So what happens when you come into an aid station? Do you have oh. somebody that's almost dedicated to you then? Yeah, you really do. It's it's a little bit like NASCAR, and it's almost a bit overwhelming because, uh, you know, I think if you're an elite runner and you're really used to moving through aid stations very fast mm -hmm. and efficiently, it probably feels just normal and great, and they just right. kind of cruise with it. Um, I've always been one of those runners where, you know, an aid station could represent a break or, yeah. you know, right. like, which is... Good and bad. You know, it's good to move through there. But, you know, you roll up into an aid station at Western and, uh, you know, I've got some sun sleeves on my arms. Right. So, like, you run up there. All of a sudden, they've got ice scoops of ice going down your sun sleeves. They oh. take your bandana off. They're filling it with ice around your neck. Mm -hmm. They're getting you just whatever you want. And you might have two or three people just filling your bladders, filling stuff for you. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, see you. You're out. And uh, <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Where's the chair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wait, I thought in ultra running, we always sat in chairs. Like, yeah, yeah what's going on? Where's my pizza? Yep. Um, but you know, this training camp, when you get out there, you really get to sort of see the course and get a sense of it. And, um, and, and so one of the things that's really cool about this training camp is so imagine, like, you're going to go up, and uh, the first day you run 30 miles. You go from... Um, at Robinson Flat, which is a really big aid station in the race, and you're going to go to Forest Hill uh, School, I think uh, is an elementary school, but um, that's a 30-mile leg, and uh, it's really some iconic parts of the trail, but all of a sudden, like, these buses pull up, and, like, 400 of you get out. It feels like you're in a race. Like, you yeah. almost kind of feel like, ready, set, go, you want to take off. But instead, you're kind of milling about. You're chatting right. with people. The pros are there. So you get all the elites. You get all the like people that are going to run it the first time. You have tons of people that are never going to run it, probably, or not even entered in the lottery. And then you kind of think to yourself, like, oh, we should start running. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, we should do this. Great big fun run. Yeah, yeah. And then you start running, and you and you will find yourself kind of like the race thing starts to kick in. You're like, well, yeah, people in front say. of me. i got to pass. i got to get out in front of them. Does that like, happen? It I mean, does, because all of a sudden you start getting caught up, and then you're like, oh, wait, chill out. Chill. Yeah. Whoa, wait, this is just a fun run, you know? And um, and then I think it was cool, too, because, like, when you're going to go out and do a race, um, you know, you're not stopping. Well, I mean, some people can, but, you know, we're not stopping and taking photos and, and things along a right. race. But here in the training camp now, you can take photos. You can get everybody together. And right. I don't know if you see a sign, this is Western States Trail, and you want to take a photo with it, no penalty. Go for it. Right. Um, and they have some aid stations out there. So you're running along. You'll get some aid. It's not as much as during the race. But during the race, they have an insane amount of aid stations. Right. Um, and then, you know, they finish with food at the end uh, of the day. And then most everybody will get together. And there's like four or five of us holed up in one Motel 6 room. So, 
you know, we'd pile out to the local brewery and go get some food and kind of get ready for the next day. And yes, the training camp is cool. In fact, I came back and I reached out to Phil Lowry, you know, with Wasatch when I'm like, Phil, we got to get a training camp going for Wasatch. Like, uh, it'd be super cool. Like, you know, shuttle people around, get Mm -hmm. them so they can, uh, you know, check the course out. But it's mostly it's about hanging out with a bunch of other runners and uh, just really, I don't know, sort of embracing the course and the run and the environment and the, the uh, you know, just everybody around you. So, yeah, so I'm a huge fan of that uh, training camp. And I didn't realize that it would be as cool as it was. And that's something, like you mentioned earlier, that's something you don't have to be running the race. It could be for anybody that wants to be a part of it. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And that was like a lot of the people you meet. Well, you meet people that are like, well, I've been in the lottery so many times and I'm, I'm out here checking it out. Um, people I was running with, you know, had um, already run Western States, but this is a way to kind of come back to it and, you know, run the course. Um, you'll just meet people that are like, this is the weekend thing they do. Maybe they live in the area and they signed up for the, the camp. And, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty nice deal. I think it was like 50 bucks a day is what it works out to. You can sign up for one, two, or three of the days. That's a good deal. That's a really good deal. Does that deal. include transportation? Like includes bu- transportation, wow. buses, aid stations, That's food afterwards. No, really it really is. Deal. It's that's what I mean. Like, and it's the kind of thing where, so going back to the gorge, hundred uh, K, one of the things that was very cool about that race was we got, uh, I think it was like 12 of us from the area here yeah. in the Wasatch area to head out to that race. And that was so, uh, that was great. I mean, it was so much fun because like, you know, it's a classic, like you run into a few people and maybe, you know, them, maybe you kind of know them from, you know, uh, Wasatch Mountain Wranglers, uh, Facebook, but all of a sudden you're like, Hey, let's go to dinner. Let's all go out to get breakfast together or lunch or, or whatever it is. And in that course at uh, the Gorge 100K happens to be an out and back. And so what's super cool is you get to see everybody, you know, when you're doing that return leg. And so all of a sudden, like, you're traveled away to this race, but now you feel like you're amongst friends the entire time and you're seeing everybody. And that's a bit of what this Western States training camp is like. You get enough people together and uh, it just makes you feel really excited about your own running community when you get back home to it. Right. So now the... Kind of jumping ahead a little bit to Miwok. So you went out to that one as well. And yeah. the reason you went out to that is to prep for Western. Is that right? I mean, that's kind of why you did that race at the time. Well, it's it's two-part because it is a lottery to get into Miwok. Right. Uh, so the gorge, you can sign up and, you know, you just get everybody to, to do it as quickly as possible. And luckily, uh, I harangued everybody on Facebook and a bunch of people seemed to, like, just nice give in. Word. And, yeah. Harangued. <laughs> harangued. Yeah, well, we got, we got everyone uh, kind of in on that one. Miwok is lottery, so yeah. you can't, I mean, you can sign up for it in hopes that it, happens as part of your training i certainly was thinking that but that course is really beautiful and i grew up in the bay area so for me it's a bit of going back home and seeing family and friends right. kind of thing but um it's a very different style of running you know you're running on a lot of fire roads very smooth trails uh, it's considered a harder course but uh like where i was thinking western was going to be an easy course like me running trails are actually nicer than even at western mm-hmm. um but you're looking at the bay. You know, you're running along right. the ocean. You're head out to the Golden Gate Bridge. You can see the city. You're running around, and we got some. Um, it's c- kind of mixed weather when I was there. In the beginning, it seemed good because it was completely overcast, and you could tell rain was coming. And then there was a good 20 mile section where it was just complete downpour and oh, wow. you know getting cold, and that was a little bit harder. Um, and I fell behind a little bit during that section. But um, so Miwok is, I think, a race everybody should do. 
um, if you can. I mean, you know, just have fun with it because it's such a beautiful course, and it's so different than anything we get to run around here because you're along the ocean and, right. you know, in the hills. And that's a fast course, right? I mean, the times for that are generally really fast for, for the distance. Yeah, it's fast, and you're pulling a lot of the speedier people out of the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, which right. there are quite a few, and you get that whole community that's there, and they have a really strong, you know, community as well. I mean, one of the things after the race, I was meeting up with uh, some friends, you know, just to grab a bite, and there's a uh, uh, M&H Bread and Butter, which is in San Anselmo, is like their local hangout for the community. So I sat down, I met up with a, a person who's known in the running community, Topher Gaylord, who oh, I've yeah. known for many years and is fr- friend, and he's actually the one who ran Western States the very first time in the mid-90s that got me, put it on my radar and got right. me, and that's how it became that goal of mine. But so I was hooking up with Toph and his wife, Kim, and we were just grabbing a bite to eat, and a buddy comes with me. and So we sit at the outside of the table of four, and before you know it, I think we had like 15 or 16 people, <laughs> you know, and like you got pros, and uh, I think people, a, a name that people are starting to uh, know now, EO, EO who uh, she won uh, Lake Sonoma, and she was out oh, of Western. Yeah. Uh, Magda Belay was there, like... You know, just names that some people might know, but mostly you're just getting locals, like just their local running community. And we kind of miss that. Like, like if there was one place you knew if you went to grab breakfast, you were going to run into like half right. the running community. You know, that'd be pretty cool. Um, so they have that. So I think when you're actually out at Miwok, there's a whole scene there that's worth checking out as well. Okay. And then there's a great store. I should put a plug in for San Francisco Running Company. Oh, yeah. oh always. And, you know, San Francisco Running Company, uh, which, you know, we're always in communication with. And, uh, and you know, we don't. <laughs> model after them or vice versa, but there's a lot of synergies between the two stores. Right. That's awesome. So, that's yeah. that's a I mean they do a lot of fun stuff and the athletes that go in and out of there and there's always people there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know, like and that's that kind of classic. If you want to find figure out where the core people are hanging out and, and what they're doing and what the scene is, you know, that's a great spot to do it. So so Miwok is a totally cool race that should be on someone's radar regardless. But in my case, I got super lucky with the way Gorge and then Miwok you know, lined up before uh, the training camp and then Western. So you've done those three. You did uh, the Gorge, Miwok, the training camp. After the training camp, before Western, how did you feel just heading into it? After seeing the course, getting some good training, did you feel like, okay, I'm ready, as ready as you could be for this? Or Yeah, I felt good. I, um, I, I think that after the training camp, having seen the course, it uh, one of the first things you, I, I did was I started reevaluating kind of like my race plan or like, okay. you know, I think one of the things I realized is that, you know, Western is a really runnable course and that's why the times are fast, but right. you're still running a hundred miles and you're still pounding your legs, you know, in these mountain trails. So um, it certainly, I came away from that realizing, okay, this is not going to be easy. It's, right. it's not a stroll in the park. There's plenty of technical running on this. Um, the heat, you know, I was starting to get my head around that. I knew that was going to be a, a factor in it. So I started thinking through how to mitigate heat. And, and, you know, one of the things I'd like to do is run like the elites with just a water bottle in my hand and, yeah. you know, not have a vest or, you know, anything right. on my back. But I realized I was going to have to run with a vest and just the way I dealt with water. And so I started kind of thinking about that. I continued to run and just train and get some training runs in. But I did not get the feeling that I needed to redo some part of my training. Like, you know, I, I feel fairly good and comfortable and quick on downhills and, you know, technical descents and things. So I, I was mostly just worried about outrunning my legs at Western, like running too fast, too, fast. Right? too early. And so I really just wanted to lay in a plan where I was just going to take it easy, um, you know, before that. And, you know, at Western... I think there's, you know, a few goals for everybody, right? Like, generally speaking, I think one would say just finishing a race is the primary goal. 
I can honestly say that wasn't mine. I uh, really was just all set on, I just wanted to go sub 24 at it. For me, that was like <clears throat> the thing that I really wanted to do. My secondary goal <clears throat> is I really wanted to run a 22 hour uh, time on it. And then my <clears throat> third goal is if everything had lined up right and everything was checking well, I was going to try to go sub 20 wow. and, you know, see if I could chip away at that. So here I am with in one hand realizing I need to, like, take it easy and not outrun my legs right. and worry about the heat. And then I've got these kind of time goals. I figured uh, because of my knee and that whole story and setting as a goal, if I just finished, even if it was 29 hours, 59 minutes, like, I was going to be successful. Yeah. So I knew I'd be successful finishing but my goals were actually faster right. than you know what success would be. So, and you took a crew out with you to help you, right? You had some pacers and, and stuff that came from here, right? Yeah. It, so we actually ended up with a pretty good Utah crew out there. There's a good Utah contingent out there. So, I think there was five of us running it uh, from Utah. But in particular, um, uh, Leslie Hallett and myself uh, from here, Tommy Barlow, who's yeah. running the Grand Slam. He's yeah. now run uh, Western and Vermont. Um, uh, Brandon Wicks, who uh, is running the Grand Slam as well, uh, went out there. So we had four of us right there. And uh, Suzanne Lewis, who uh, mm -hmm. you interviewed the same time yeah. uh, I chatted with you last time, was running. So there was five of us. And there were two other Utah people who I didn't meet um, that are out of Salt Lake that are supposed to be pretty quick. And uh, it's a shame that we can get to meet them. But so each of us all have our crews and stuff. But Leslie Hallett and uh, myself and our teams, if you will, we all rented a house together mm. and we were like right over the start area in this house. This is a beautiful spot. Leslie found the place for us and it was great. So Leslie had her husband, Jeremy and her kids. I had my, uh, my team, which, um, uh, was going to be Pete Stoughton, but he ended up pacing, uh, Suzanne, okay. uh, for it as well. So he kind of jumped over there to help her out. So I had, uh, Paul Sharwell and Dominic Layfield. So Dom and Paul with me. So my crew was those two. And then uh, the way Western States lines up, you're running through the canyon, more or less. And for the crew to access the aid stations, it's good if you can split them in two mm -hmm. because a couple of the aid stations are on one side of the canyon and the other aid stations are on the other side. And getting back and forth would be just really kind of a long thing. So my crew of Dom and Paul also aided Leslie like at the first aid station and right. stuff. We just made sure we had her stuff there. And so it really was like a, just a big pile of us uh, from Utah out there. And then Western States is interesting in that there's the running of the race. There's the actual course and, you know, and doing that. But um, there's a whole scene like when building up to it, when you get in there, like I was saying, like one of the things that I find amazing is sort of this orbit, if you will, of uh, Western, because like I had people, all kinds of people asking me like what my goal was, what my you know target times were for Western. No one ever asked me that for like Wasatch or something, no. you know, like, uh, you know, people like were coming out of the woodworks to crew and support you. And you kind of realize that one, that's super cool. But you're all like, huh, like, why is it now all of a sudden everybody wants to pace and crew and support? And, it, and it's part of Western, like it's part of like people in a way want their own experience and i right. think they're being genuine they want to help you but like it was noticeably different like how many people were reaching out to me uh leading up to it uh, and then you get out there and they have like days of things going yeah. on you know like when you're uh, there's different venues you can see there's one of the things they did that was cool was the day before they had a race uh, up 
which was the first seven miles of the course, but basically up to the top of Squaw Valley. And uh, that was so much fun. And obviously, as a person running Western, you're not doing but all your crew and your pacers oh, yeah. and everybody gets to run oh, a race. Neat. So now you're out there, like, checking them out while they're right. going off to run. And so that's what happens. So Dom, Pete, and, you know, uh, Dom and Pete, were, I think Paul wasn't in yet, but um, they went off and did this race. It right. was super fun. I thought that was cool. And they're talking about maybe even adding, like, a kid's race or a family race oh, or something. Oh, fun. So you realize that there's just a lot going on for everybody around, and it's in the village of Squaw, and mm-hmm. so there's check-in procedures. And, you know, I think another thing that Western does that was interesting is they provide a lot of social media content for you for free. In fact, I just did this adventure race this a couple of weeks ago, and they, too, provided a lot of social media content for free, which is very different than you get a typical race model. So the typical, like, race model, right, the photographers are out there, they capture a couple photos of you, and then you can buy them, right. yeah. and then you have this price. What Western did, and, uh, and this adventure race did, is they just paid the photographers, and then you can have the content for free. So when you check in at Western, uh, the first thing you do is you get in this queue, you line up, and uh, they do a survey. You know, they're wondering, like, what kind of pack are you wearing? Are you wearing a pack or not pack? What kind of shirt are you wearing? Pants, shorts. Like, <laughs> they just start, test. yeah, it's like all, <laughs> they just start getting data. So right. I thought that was interesting. So, you know, like, our races could do that, like, collect data so we yeah. start getting some information. Then you go in and you get, like, a wristband put on you that has to stay on through the rest of the race. And all of a sudden you get a little card with your info on it and you walk around kind of this maze, if you will, and uh, pick up different things. Uh, but there's like headshots. Like all of a sudden you sit down in the chair, headshots, and then that photo is provided for you. Western at the finish, you know, always provides a little 30-second video of you finishing. So oh, that's right. here I was like running the race. I'm not even thinking about that stuff. And when I get finished, I find out that my wife had like been posting that. Like she'd been taking this like free social media content and not because she was trying to promote or do something like in a promotional way, but rather just like, hey, Canis is doing this or that. Um, and then all of a sudden that kind of got around. So it, they do a lot to create a lot of buzz mm-hmm. in just the way the thing is set up. And then the kind of the funny part was, um, so when you finish going through and you get your swag bag and you kind of go through the tables and they start filling it up with all the stuff you're going to get, it dumps you off downstairs into a store. <laughs> and you are, huh. and it's like, what are you gonna do there? Yeah, so what are you gonna do here? Like, <laughs> and you know, you want to buy, and it, and it works well because you want to buy your crew, you know, shirts or right. you, like, you know, hey, here's all of our race shirts for being together, and bought my little girls, and they have like stuff for kids, and they have like oh. name brand oh. stuff, so it's like all so Patagonia's smart. logoed up, Icebreakers logoed up, Mount Hardware's logoed up, like, just all of this stuff, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I would never have this much race stuff, but there's some pretty cool things here, right? And uh, they must make a crazy amount of money because I, yeah. I I probably spent like two, three hundred bucks. Like right. you know, my wife goes, Did you really spend seventy bucks on this shirt for me? I'm like, I didn't look. You know, I was <laughs> just it was cool. It was it cool, was cool. And, and it's not <laughs> the, the like it's not like the money doesn't matter, but you know, in the moment yeah. you are just buying up stuff for people and so And you're probably on the low end of that. That oh, buying scale, yeah. right? Yeah, because people would walk out of there five hundred bucks. You know, they're totally worth. Well, yeah. they had like things like you know down puffy coats and stuff. Oh, like imagine goodness. a logo puffy coat, just yeah. that couple alone. Bucks, like, right yeah, that's there. right there. You know, so yeah, that store is genius for those guys. But um, and meanwhile, like you're going to like uh, race briefings and check-ins, so you're kind of tired before you even get to the race. Right. In fact, probably the thing that um, I've never had this happen before, but this was the best thing ever. So I'm I'm starting to get a little overwhelmed uh, before we even get to the start of the race. And I don't really want to go to the race to the start line tired and a bit knackered. But So we go back to the house to escape. Um, I was staying in a downstairs room that had a deck, like with sliding glass doors. So I opened them up and just had this great breeze come in. 
And uh, I was just trying to get some alone space, but I fell asleep. And I fell asleep at 4.30 in the afternoon. Wow. Uh-oh. I woke up the next morning for the race. Like, I slept oh from 4.30 in the afternoon all through the night. Like, woke up chipper, like, happy, like, hey, guys, let's go run a race. <laughs> and wow. uh, I wish I could do that. I probably would have been freaked race. out. <laughs> oh, it was the... Uh, <laughs> Wake up, where am I? Yeah, <laughs> no. What's going on? One and only time. Like, we'd eaten an early dinner and stuff, so we'd all had food and right. everything was good. I was already prepped, you know. Like, uh, all I had to do was kind of wake up. So I couldn't believe that. That was That's like, amazing. I felt like I won the lottery right there. Yeah. But so lo and behold, you get over to the start line and um, all of a sudden, like it's different than all the races around here too, because like in the start of that race, the crowd is probably four or five people deep. Oh yeah. I don't know if it's a quarter mile, but you know, it's, it's a very long ways up the trail. Like you're running through just lots of people, right. lots and lots of people. So, you know, obviously nothing like a UTMB or something over in Chamonix, but it might be as close as we get right. uh, to something like that here. And uh, you can just tell. And the other thing that is different at that race, cameras every place. Yeah. And not just people with their phones, but like TV cameras from around the world, uh, you know, like hmm. kind of thing. You've got people making movies. Like when you're at the race briefing, like there was one point it was hard to see the people at the front because there were so many cameras between all the participants and the people like given the race briefing and the race briefing was so packed that uh, I had to step outside for a brief moment. There was as many people seemingly outside the room that couldn't get in that were there for the race briefing. So the whole thing about Western is it's just a lot of stuff going on and the build up to it with people like uh, asking you about it, you actually get to the point of the race and then you realize at some point Oh, I actually got to run 100 miles yeah. now. <laughs> you know, like, all this stuff going on. It's like, wait, there's a race at the end of this. Yeah, <laughs> and you actually really, uh, once the race gets going, it's almost like a calmer, happier place in a way because now right. you just get to the business of doing it. And certainly, you know, the heat picks up in the day and you're out there for a ways. Uh, you go, okay, I'm running 100 miles now. Like, this is real. Like, you, you start to feel it. Um, but then, yeah, then you just get to the business of running your race and, you know, however that plays out for anybody. And uh, the scene even afterwards when you finished the race was amazing because, like, I came home and just the amount of people, like, if I put a Facebook post up, I'd have a few hundred likes on it, like, in instantly, instantly <laughs> seemingly. And, uh, I mean, I'd like to think I'm a popular person, but nowhere's near that, you know. It's like We've been on our show twice. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's building. But um, people would, like, you know, like, just friends from around town that really don't know anything about ultra running but maybe saw a post on Facebook or something. Like, I was getting stopped in the grocery stores and congratulated. Or people would come in the store for the better part of a week to check the buckle out. Because oh. uh, the buckle is seriously cool. Yeah. But, um, Where is the buckle? Yeah, it's funny. I sh- it's not here, actually. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, if uh, you it's can tell, like we used to have all the buckles right? on the wall right yeah. there. Yeah, two weeks ago. So I'm just taking the, uh, oh, yeah. we're just going to redo how we display all the buckles. Right. And um, because the uh, Western States buckle is handmade in you know, Reno, and it's all right. sterling silver. I didn't want that one falling off the wall. So we're going to make yep. a little shelf system. But, there you uh, go. So, yeah. And a he's little alarm system on that thing. Yeah. Right? But, yeah, like, you know, like I said, like, you go to a gentleman who ran Millwood and 45,000 feet of vert and, you know, 100 miles, and it's on her own. You know, there's a handful of us that know how cool that is and what she did. And uh, we'll stop in and say hi or something about it. You go run a Western, and it's just like lots of people do and it's super cool like it's not in, in a negative way it's like super fun and positive and, right and you feel good and luckily the race went well for me so so speaking of that just real quickly you know for the race for you i mean you say it went well where were you at your goal 
where did you finish and where how close were to your other goals? I mean, how did you feel about all that? Well, I, I, I hit my first goal. I didn't hit my second or third. My basic race plan was to try to take it easy, you know, like just sort of I knew if and I'd heard enough, if you get to Forest Hill, which is at mile 62 mm-hmm. and you're feeling pretty good, it's you can make up some time on the back end in the last 40 miles. So I knew that uh, not to stress out, but I wanted to run, you know, they have a pace chart, and I wanted to run on the 24-hour pace chart because I figured if I got to Forest Hill on the 24-hour pace chart, one, I'd hit my goal of the 24 hours, but then I could work on seeing what legs I had left and, like, you know, try to lower the time and see if I could get down to my 22 time. And, and to me, that seemed very possible. Um, I was running with Leslie Hallett. It was super fun. She and I ran the first 28 miles together. We had run um, almost to, um, oh, I just blanked on the name of that aid station, uh, Robinson Flat. And we were on that last climb, and she started to pull ahead. And I could have dug in and ran with her, but, I, you know, she's a faster runner, so I figured I'll just let Leslie go now. And um, But had we crested out of the top, we probably would have hung together for a lot longer. Um, I think of uh, the Utah crew, I think we all came within like six, m- we went, all went through that aid station within about like six minutes of each other, something like right. that, when you look at the splits. But uh, at that point, I was just a couple minutes off the 24-hour pace, so not a big deal one way or the other. And then I think what really kind of put me back was uh, the heat of the day, the mid part of the day. I took a fall on the course. I actually whacked my head on a rock pretty good, cut oh. it up. Um, I felt like the course was trying to spit me off it at, at that point. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, just dig in. Don't get hurt, you know. And um, I went up this climb called Devil's Thumb, and, and basically you you go down from a high point down to uh, the canyon or like you're kind of going down near the river. And then you got to climb up Devil's Thumb, which is you're going over this uh, landmass, and then you drop down the backside of it back to the river again to climb up another big climb called Michigan Bluff. And these are, I, I'm not sure what the, someone could probably look it up, but I think it's like a couple thousand feet or something like that that you're climbing. So, and it's 104 and it's oh. midday and, you know, oh. it's just hot and you're, you know, just working at it. And I got pretty knackered uh, going up Devil's Thumb. So when I got to the top of the aid station, that's where I, I peel off and did find the comfortable ultra running seat and uh, <laughs> grabbed a few things of soup and just started like making sure I had some energy. And then um, interesting enough, when I started running out towards the next descent and up to Michigan Bluff, I was feeling a little tired, but I was just kept moving, kept just sort of focusing on running. And at this point, uh, where I'd been around people throughout most of the day. I'm starting to th- it thins out a bit around here. And, and then I got to Michigan Bluff to that big climb, and that went really well. All of a sudden, like, uh, I, I got my legs back, and I started passing people. And by the time I rolled up to Michigan Bluff, I saw my crew, really, Dom and Paul, for the first time in a while. And um, I asked where I was at on the pace chart, and I was a full hour-plus behind the 24-hour oh, wow. uh, pace chart. So now I'm, like, a little bummed. But at the same time, I, I was feeling good. And so I had said to, um, to Dom and Paul, I'm like, okay, well, look, I feel good. Well, this is time to go make up some time on this thing. And this is really where Dom started pacing. He, he couldn't physically run with me, but this is the first time when he says, don't do it. And he's like, you, he kind of gave me like permission to make up five minutes. He goes like, look, you can make up five minutes here, but this isn't the place to like, you know, put it in. And he says, you, gotta, you need to wait, be patient a little bit longer, basically is what he's saying. And so I, I run this next section over to the Forest Hill, and I see Dom when I get up towards the paved road. There's a paved road that you've, you finished the last mile on. And uh, I was like seven or eight minutes ahead. I made up seven or eight minutes. And so Dom gave me like, nice job. That was a great leg. You know, you made up seven minutes. So it starts to feel like we're working as a team now. Like it really starts to feel like there's a plan. We're like, you know, going to follow this pace chart. And so, you know, I kind of looked at Dom and Paul at that point. I'm like, so what do you guys think? And I hit this 24-hour goal. Like, can we make this up? And, and I, 
in my mind, I thought it was possible, but hearing them say, yeah, absolutely, you got this, was really good. But you don't make up an hour deficit right away. Right, right away. It takes a little while for that to happen. So you're kind of rolling into aid stations like if we made up a few minutes here or there, that was good. But you don't feel euphoric or something. You don't feel like, all right, yeah, we're really going to nail this thing right. for a while. And uh, so we just got to the business of doing it. And um, by the time we got down to the river where you cross the American River at Ruckachucky, um we had made up 40 minutes. Right. So now it's 20 minutes behind. Now that felt good. That felt like, all right, we're making some progress here. Let's keep going. By the time we climbed out of the, uh, the uh, canyon there and got up to this A station called the Green Gate, I'd made up like another seven minutes so just in that section. And now all of a sudden you're like, all right, let's get after this thing. Because right. the pace chart assumes you're falling off, like you're getting more tired. And if you right. can just hold steady, you're going to make up time. Right. And then there was a point on the course where, uh, for the first time, we were going to roll into one of these aid stations, and like we were one minute ahead of the pace chart. So now we've made up this hour or something deficit that I put myself in, and uh, the 24-hour goal, see, unless something is, because there's still plenty of running, there's still 20-something yeah. miles out there, but unless something really goes wrong, it really feels like I'm going to hit it. And uh, we got up to Highway 49, which is uh, a key aid station. You're going up and over another one of these sort of uh, bluffs or land masses. And you're going to drop back down the other side to the river again. And what was kind of funny was we roll in there. We're like a good 10 minutes ahead of pace. I'm like, all right, well, we're easily going to get another 10 minutes on this chart. So we'll probably be 20 minutes ahead of the 24-hour pace. But we're also moving pretty well. Mm -hmm. And my race plan was, so once you get to the top of this climb, you descend down to the river. You cross the river, and then you've got another really big climb. Like, I, I'm not sure what the height is, 1,000, 2,000 feet up, right? Something like that, where it's just big. But the top of that climb is mile 99. Yeah. Oh. And then you have a one-mile descent through, like, city streets. Town, right? yeah. So, which is essentially, like, almost like a victory lap feeling by the time you hit that. Right. So, in my mind, I was like, all right, well, look, you know, that's just one climb. It's not going to be that bad, you know. So, really, we should just throw caution of the wind on the descent just bomb this downhill as fast as humanly possible, cross the river, and then just whatever I got left, just throw that into the climb. And so as we crest over the top of this thing, Dom and I are talking, and we're like, okay, you ready to go? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, let's tear this thing up. We're going to like give it. And so we just go, and really nothing happens. Like, <laughs> we, 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 I barely move. And uh, I was like, yeah, we're really giving it now, aren't we? You yeah. know, it's kind of laughing, you know. I was like, because my legs were kind of going in and out. Like, I'd get moments where I'd feel pretty strong, and then, like, moments where I wasn't. And, and we, I was running. I mean, I think Dom said um, of the last 40 miles, including aid stations and the river crossing, we averaged a 12-15 pace. That's wow. great. That's great. So running-wise, I was... 10s, 11s, or something like that, you know, walking some climbs, you know, trying to race smart, you right. know, um, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it was funny. There really just wasn't much left at that point to run downhill as fast as I had uh, hoped to run <laughs> or w would be capable on another day. But we did, um, there's an aid station right when you cross the river, and this is that first one, like, yeah, we don't need anything. Like, you know, at this point, we have three, four, or five miles left. I'm like, right. whatever, like, let's just go. We got enough That's here. That's when you go across the bridge, right? Yeah, it's called uh, Hands. No Hands no Bridge. Hands. And you, you go across this bridge, and, you know, I'm excited because obviously being in the sub-24 range, it's pitch black, and you just it's nice and cool. And in the training camp, you run that thing in the daytime, and it's pretty hot. But uh, but I, because of the training camp, this is a good example of, like, where I think that pays off. I had run this uh, climb in 100-degree temperatures during the training camp. So here it is, actually, night, and it's cooler. And, yeah, I got a lot more miles under me, but I knew exactly what was in front of me. And I, so Dom and I actually kind of laid into this thing. We actually 
that's where my legs came back. And so where I didn't have it on the descent, but I had it on the climb. And um, I petered out like right at the top, like probably in the last <laughs> right like half. The people show up to yeah. watch you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was exactly <laughs> like that. Like right because you're coming into this last, they have an aid station there. So you're kind of yeah. like at mile, I don't know, like 98 and a half and there's an aid station. I'm like, well, I don't know why you would stop there. And this, certainly at this point when you're trying to hit a. Change the shirt, right? Sub 20. Yeah, yeah right. It could, sponsor could be something. Yeah, I thought shirt. about that actually. We had a clean shirt on. We couldn't get to the shirt. We missed Paul uh, actually at Highway 49. I was going to change shirts right. there for a nice logo shirt for the store but um so yeah so all of a sudden you get up there and uh you know the last little bit steep on that pavement and then you hit the top and you know you got a mile left and this is another thing that was good about the training camp the, the course is beautifully marked until this point and no. then it's horribly marked yeah, in the last mile you're on streets and they painted like footprints on the road in red which are almost all worn off so there's not a piece of tape or a ribbon or anything any place oh. there's nobody out there at you know three in the morning or four in the morning and so there were like paul who was waiting for us was telling us stories of runners like going the wrong way mm-hmm. down the wrong streets you know like it's, it's somebody's just, backyard yeah it's <laughs> it's not obvious you know here you are in the last mile and you got to like think through but in my case we were totally good. And uh, same thing. Dom's like, all right, got anything left in the tank? And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's tear it up. And, you know, there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point, we see Paul. So now it's Paul, Dom, and myself, like, running together towards the uh, the track. And those two are starting to run away. They're starting to drop me. You know, and I'm like <laughs> thinking about I don't say anything. But I'm like, and then you see this moment where they kind of, like, realize it. Like, their heads spin backwards. And they're like, whoa, wait. wait. <laughs> like, we're dropping our runner. The adrenaline's kicking in. <laughs> yeah. And, and for me, at this point, it, it wasn't that I had um, given up on pushing. I was just, like, I was just going steady. You know, right. and I have to say the the track is super cool. Like you, you get to it, you can see the lights, you know, off in the distance, as you might imagine, you know, a stadium lights uh, illuminating the night sky. And then you roll up onto the track itself. And for the first time, I take my vest off and I give it to Dom. And so now I have nothing on and the track is soft and cushioned and you're running around the track and they're announcing like all your pacers and your crew and any stories you want to tell them. And then you, uh, you roll up on like, you know, this most historic of, 100-mile races, you know, the first, and you come across that finish line and hit that sub-24 time, like, you're feeling pretty good, you know? And then I should say um, Tommy Barlow, who uh, was racing injured, and I'd seen him earlier in the day, and I'd come up on him, and he was moving pretty slow. It was one of those times when I ran up on him, and I just pulled my water bottles out, and before I even said hi, I was dousing him with water. Um, But Tommy's, like, he's such a stud, and I knew he was faster than me. And at one point in the middle of the night, he came flying past me. And I remember saying to Dom, like, oh, it's such a bummer. Like, it would have been fun to, like, run with uh, Tommy right. for a little bit. But he, I must have been in one of my low moments, and he was in one of his high moments. And at that point, he just seemed to be going by at a unmatchable speed. We finished within, like, six or ten minutes of each oh, other, nice. something like that. Probably, I think, ten or eleven. But uh, so that was cool. So then when you cross the finish line, there's more of our Utah contingent out right. there. And, uh, you know... That was cool. Kenzie, uh, Tommy's wife, was there. Uh, DJ and Kate uh, were there. And then now my crew's there. And so we're all kind of hanging out in the infield of, of this uh, track uh, together. You know, that was super cool. A lot, a lot of fun to do that. Right on. So That's impressive. You know, I mean, I from, two, what, 2002, having so a goal to do this years. race. Yeah. yeah, 14 years and the injuries you've gone through. And then sub-24. Sub-24 is impressive regardless it of is. anything. It is. Isn't that race? Yeah. So that's that's awesome. No, so thanks. We, yeah, know. we followed along. We were those social oh, yeah. media guys that were kind of keeping yeah, an eye on things. Totally. So yeah. It, it was easy to do with Western for sure. It certainly does feel uh, – it feels pretty good when you drive away and you know you left it all out there. Right. And you know that in our case we happen to hit the sort of team goal – so uh, I'm sure my team would have been psyched regardless of what time I finished. I would have been psyched just finishing. But, yeah, it was pretty special to be able to 
have d- had to dig out of that hole. I think that was the, the part of it is like to have been in a hole of over an hour at mile 62 and then to have put the work in that you need to to get your time. Right. That part right there is what feels good. You know? well, and so you would say, I mean, besides everything that went, the, the training camp probably helped a lot during that last 40, right? Kind yeah, of knowing absolutely. The course. You know, I mean, your team, Dom, I mean, we had him on the show. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He knows a thing or two about a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So having him on your team with the, okay, five minutes, seven minutes, because like you said, a lot of people, I'm an hour behind. I got to get going. But when you got 40 miles an hour, you yeah. can make that up. Oh, yeah, you can. You know, I mean, to anybody listening to this, like if you get to mile 62 in Western States and if you're feeling good, if you've saved some energy, that last 40 miles, it's everybody will tell you, you can make up time. You could make up maybe even two hours if you needed to, depending wow. on how you feel. But but you can easily make, I, I think that hour that I made up is about as much as you'd probably want to push it just for, so you're not feeling stressed. But uh, no, you can absolutely, if you got legs, you can run because it, it's starting to get cooler. Like, you know, I think one of the things with Western is it's just hot. And so, I, I mean, I literally felt like I ran with a bag of ice around my neck most of the time, stuffed in this, you know, ice bandana and then the arm sleeves. And, and uh, I ran with a vest on so I could have ice uh, noon, you know, hydration uh, in my back. But I had two uh, of our flasks up front with ice water. Mm-hmm. And then that was key because, you know, imagine like starting with like what seemed like five pounds of ice on the back of my neck. I mean, it wasn't really that, but it was, it felt like a big bag of ice in the back of the neck, ice in your arm sleeves. Within three miles of leaving that aid station, it was all gone and dry, oh, like just dry. So evaporative cooling is a key to like staying cool, like out of Western in general. That that would be it. But evaporative cooling is what you're working on. So that was interesting too. Is like my shirt, my shorts, all that stuff. I was soaked like the entire race because you get all this ice melting all over you right. the entire time. I mean, I'm just spraying myself with ice water, and that was a huge part of keeping it all under control for me and not pushing it too hard and you know things like that and now we'll touch quickly because yeah. we came in the shop and you showed us your sweet uh your skin condition right ne- yeah neapolitan <laughs> tan line that yeah. i've got going yeah because you just did an adventure race yeah so i i guess just about two three weeks after western i jumped into uh, an expedition lathe uh race so we raced uh, 470 miles uh non-stop as a team of four and uh, roughly, and it had 120 miles of paddling, it had 270 miles of mountain biking, and then there was some climbing in there. But the balance of that is all made up on foot, running, trekking, you know, something like that. So I am proud and happy to say that running legs do translate well, like because I didn't have the bike legs and right. the paddling time that I wanted for this. But uh, I think the running legs held out quite well, actually, on there. Because 270 miles on the mountain bike, uh, oh. that's a little bit of chafing going on there. Yeah, I, wouldn't, say, I wouldn't worry about my legs yeah, so much. It's about yeah. that saddle. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly what I was afraid <laughs> of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, like, even with the chamois butter, like, yeah. it's a little chapped. So sure. uh, there's just no way around it. How did, you know, we were in Wyoming. Uh, we uh, raced out of Casper, Wyoming. This was the Adventure Racing World Series uh, tour and so I was asked to race on uh, one of the, we'll call it like a semi-pro team, you know, like a, an established team called Team NorCal. Uh, but we had some newer racers on there, and it was the first time we'd all raced together. So I was just coming in, uh, just hoping to hold up, you know, my own uh, end of this thing here and uh, do well. But I, I always find adventure racing interesting, too, in that, like, you can be remote, fairly close to civilization, you know, like close to towns, but you really are exposed and out there on your own. I mean, there was a boat... That so um, there was one night you know on the, on the we were paddling down the Platte River 120 miles so that basically means we're starting paddling in the morning and we're gonna finish 
before noon the next day. But you're oh. kind of like paddling nonstop. So imagine your shoulders and abs and obliques and all that kind of stuff. And then you'd get out of the boat every 15 or 20 miles to go do, say, a, an orienteering course, whether it was on bike or foot oh. or in an urban wow. setting or something. So you're running around and you're racing, though, because, you know, you're really like trying Anything. to be as, yeah, this is time. Like you're trying to, this is not like a casual thing. Like you're just fully going after it. I mean, the race started uh, with a cool 30 mile race. Uh, bike ride out of Casper down to the river. We followed an ATV that was cruising at like 12 miles per hour for the first seven miles to get us through town. The police had rolling uh, blocks up there. The race is sold out. So now you've got teams from all over the world. You've got teams from South America, from Asia, from Europe. And um, that's a huge peloton of mountain bikers. And, yeah. you know, mountain bikers aren't usually racing the Tour de France style in pelotons. <laughs> but uh, it turned out we averaged, uh, I think it was like 23 and a half miles per hour oh. out to the river, which on a mountain bike... That's moving. So yeah. that was, that's a fast-moving peloton. And you're linked up. So, you know, we've, I've got a, one of my teammates uh, connected to me behind me on a uh, tow line. And then uh, Rolly was towing Stephanie behind him. So the three of us are all tied together, essentially. And then uh, Tim, our fourth uh, teammate and captain, was in front sort of breaking the wind uh, for us. And so you're just trying to move in a pace line and get out to the river. And But uh, what I was going to say is in the river, that first night, all of a sudden, those Wyoming winds kicked up. Oh, yeah. and then there's three foot, what well, seems like seas, but you know, waves that are breaking the bow. So we're in 16 foot heavy plastic canoes, trying to punch right through the headwind in this open lake with three foot waves, just crashing in. Um, at some point, uh, we had to call it. Like we couldn't make any more forward progress, and we didn't want to run a, a downwind leg because we don't want to go backwards. But we ran a crosswind leg. And it's middle of the night, so I can't see the shoreline. You just know the there's shoreline. There's one there. Yeah, there's one there. <laughs> and you're like, all right, I'm just heading that direction. And it didn't matter too much. You just wanted to get there. Because uh, at this point, everybody's getting pretty cold and, you know, tired and stuff. Um, and we do. We get over. We, we, we get out. I think Rolly was pretty cold that time. And he was behind a tree trying to get warm. Uh, Tim and I were hauling boats out of the water. Stephanie's grabbing all the gear. By chance, I saw like a rope hanging from a tree that kind of looked like a rope swing. And then I thought to myself, hold on, guys, let me just run over this hill. And I got over the hill and I saw a picnic table. I was like, whoa, this is good news. Like, I was just trying to find a way to get out of the wind. And then we saw an outhouse. So the four of us were holed up in an outhouse for a little <laughs> bit, which is like, you know, like the four seasons of outhouses for us. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, brilliant. But meanwhile, what's going on around you, and you don't know it, is like uh, one team um, completely had their boat sunk from underneath them, from the filled with water and the waves. Oh. And these guys had, you know, you have an emergency beacon, and they were able to hit it. But I think it, I've heard stories from one to three hours, but someplace they're floating in the water in these in these oh conditions, gosh. like two guys, like just not knowing what's going to happen. And fishing and uh, wildlife was able to rescue them oh uh, via boat. And in the end, those guys, I heard the story later, had to commandeer some drunk fishermen's, you know, boat that were just partying on the shore, basically, and grabbed their boat and went out and got them. But um, another boat in the river that morning, and I didn't see this during the race, but there's some rapids you're running and uh you know i used to do a bunch of whitewater boating so my read of the river is still reasonably okay and so you know I see, you see the tongue and i'm like hey you know we're gonna head over here and we we kind of go that way but what's to the left of what i was looking at is calm looking water but that calm looking water is actually flowing over something you know that's kind of like the waterfall if you will and a team um i guess wasn't used to running rivers and kind of went that way and the object that was causing this waterfall was some submerged piece of metal or something. Oh, no. And one of their boats got punctured. And then the boat kind of spun around it and then folded in half and completely tacoed while they were in the boat. Oh, so they had to bail out, like, in this little rapid. Um, and so there's stuff like that in adventure racing going on that 
you just don't quite realize sometimes like it's ever present you're near civilization yet you really are remote and kind of exposed like those guys have to self-rescue themselves they, right. the guys in the lake are responsible ultimately for their life you know, like fellow racers take care of each other right. uh, a local uh, friend of ours a uh, uh, woman celia who's a brilliant racer uh had a fall on her mountain bike and cracked her hip like in the race so there's things like this going on they don't know no, and there's like credible stories of like teamwork like the guys who folded the boat in half actually got into their other teammates boat so it's a 16 foot canoe with four of them they managed to continue paddling down the river till they could get to the race directors who got them another boat and then they could continue on so they were not disqualified because they stayed on course which right. in this case was the river um, but yeah, so, you know, that part of, uh, Wyoming, I mistakenly thought like, oh, this must be kind of flat out there. You know, no. like, I don't know what's around Casper, but this must be kind of flattish and couldn't have been further from it. You know, it's just mountainous and tons of climbing and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So those three and a half day races, you know, when you're racing it long, it's a lot of sleep deprivation and working through that. Cause you're trying to go fast, right. nonstop, but at some point you're going to have to sleep, but you can't like bed down. Right. So. Just catch a little bit of this uh, here and there yeah, in, when the, you can. Uh, in the commode, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, that actually was like, yeah, we got to sleep that night. So we, yeah. we pull in there. We're like, we know the storm's not going to subside for a while. So we're like, all right. all right, well, let's set the alarm for an hour and a half. And then we'll start checking every half hour to see right. if conditions subside. But so to get an hour and a half sleep on the first night, we felt like in the morning, like we're like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally like we totally yeah. just got away with this. Yeah. Except for we were also bummed because some of the teams that were ahead of us by just an hour on the course or even half an hour that missed that storm or got through the last bit were still racing. Oh, yeah. So we were really bummed actually. So from a race perspective, we got we went from like right up there in the thick of it. Uh, in contention for, you know, uh, placing to just being thrown to the back. Right. And we don't know how far back, though, because you know where the other teams are. So that was a that was an interesting moment. Like, I, I had to, you know, I put on one face for the team, which was like, hey, we got this. Let's go race what's left, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I'm kind of digging deep, going like, all right, come on. We got to, like, this is that moment when you, like, you kind of figure out what you're made of. Right. Um, and so in the end of the race, uh, we battled back to 11th place. Nice. That's good. With the global field and... Yeah, it was awesome. So, and for the team, I would say the other thing that's cool is when you're dealing with sleep deprivation and you've got four people, like, on a team, things can go wrong. Like, there are teams that will break apart in a race and not talk to each other. There's, oh, like... Oh, yeah. I've seen you, some of that on TV. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> all that kind of stuff can happen. I mean, this is human stuff, right? And, like, our team uh, just got dirtier and more crass and, like, laughing and, like, cracking jokes the further we went in. So... Um, for us to finish the race and, you know, rec recovered well and we all had an incredible time and, like, we're still laughing at the end, that was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've gone from the race you've done this year, Western States, to your adventure race. What's what's on the horizon now? What do you got your eyes on? Is there anything you got going this year left or is there something next year big planned? What do you got? Well, the big one is coming up in January. So I got into uh, the Spine uh, oh, race. Right. Yeah, so the Spine race is... Um, 268 miles of nonstop running or racing on the Penine Way Trail in the UK. So it right. basically goes from York, kind of in the middle of England, uh, up to the Scottish border. Yeah. And it's a bit like us running uh, the PCT Trail or an AT Trail kind of thing. Right. For uh, in the UK, this would be a place in the summer they might go through hike or something like that. Right. But this race starts January 22nd, so it's going to be in the dead of winter. Um, and so there, therein lies the challenge. It's like winter running here where it's dry would be one thing, but we're talking that damp, wet, Non-stop cold wade. Yeah, this is like that bone-chilling kind of cold. Right. And what's funny is because it's on this Penine Way Trail, 
the aid stations are like at pubs and hotels oh and stuff. Oh my gosh, I would never leave. <laughs> That's, I, know, right? I I think that is going to be like the biggest challenge. I, right? I think it's one thing you're on the course and you're like the wind's blowing sideways and you're just like dealing with the elements and you dig deep, but then you're going to roll into like a hot pub, get yeah. a pint, you know, get some shepherd pie, and yep. all of a sudden you got to leave. <laughs> you know, you got to carry your American Express on this trip and then you'll be set yep. well yeah and you know it turns out uh dom layfield uh you know dom is running it as well right. and so he's going to run the slightly shorter distance of a hundred and like 10 miles or something right. like that of course the difference is dom's going to go for like a course record and i'm oh, going to yeah. go for a finish but um what will happen though is dom will finish his race and then he'll crew me oh. uh for the balance of mine right. which would be great cause, uh he we, can kick you out of the pub yeah he could you know but uh <laughs> i actually you know what i, I kind of see getting out of the pub okay because like you know what it's like all the people around, so you're gonna like put on a good show and right. like uh, be stoic. Oh, okay, ready to head out. I think it's the moment the door closes behind you and oh. you've got to cross the parking lot Try and you're by yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Once you get on that trail and you get moving, you know, and you know it's closer to get to where you're going. Yeah. That's probably a good mental state, but yeah. I think it's going to be leaving like the parking oh. lot of the town. I think when nobody can see you and like nobody That'd knows be so what. So much fun, the crew though. Oh, it would, it would be. wouldn't it? it would be. Oh. I mean, because it'd be like. It's not like you're in the middle of no place, right. like under an easy up. You're, yep. you're actually, you could just, I show up and you guys are all like liquored up, you yeah. know? Well, like, you'd, need, well, you'd need at least one super dependable person in your crew. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a designated crew driver or whatever. Yeah. Totally. Else would be like, yeah, we'll stay for a little bit longer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would be one of those kind of things. But uh, how fun will that be? Another destination thing, you know? So Dom and I'll get over there. He has family in the UK. I have family. Uh, my wife's family is in the UK. Okay. And so. We both actually have pretty decent support systems there. Uh, I'm not sure how many other Americans will do it. There's not usually a lot, but, um, you know, we'll make a good showing of it. And, uh, you know, we're training for it now. So Dom and I were just talking the other day. So, like... Getting out in all the snow this summer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of back to that original plan of running six days a week. Right. You know, but trying to get up to an hour to two hours a day, six days a week, and just having really good legs. Mm -hmm. And I, I... I do think that's a key thing. I, I don't know if when you spoke with Dom, if he talked about his heart rate training, but I've kind of yeah. bought into this yeah. where, you know, you'll pick a distance of a race and you'll run to those heart rate, uh, I mean, race, uh, training run. But the key is, is in, in this theory is you have the same heart rate going up and downhill. Right. And if you look at my uh, logs and if you see my heart rate, you'll see I can hold pretty steady on the climbs. I'm, I'm fairly comfortable there. But uh, my heart rate will drop on the descents. Mm-hmm. And now when Dom and I run together, let's say we go for a training run, we'll set a heart rate of 150 beats a minute that we want to run. Dom and I will move really evenly uphill and flats. If anything, I can catch up a bit on the uphills. But when you think about running downhill at 150 beats a minute, I mean, that is flying. Dom can do that. Dom can do that over 100 miles. I can't. So I end up backing off and sometimes hitting, you know, like 100 and, oh, I don't know, say 40, you know, Mm -hmm. beats a minute going downhill. And so, um, you know, I'm really working to try to level mine out. And that's one of my goals before uh, heading out to the Penine Way Trail is to try to find that balance in my training as well. Nice. So what, what is, what's your time goal? Uh, for running that thing? Yeah. It's hard to say because, like, as much as I can gather, we're, well, okay, so, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to go for the win and I'll try to see okay. if I can get towards a course record on it. Which is all pretty fine to say right now, but like, you know, who knows what will happen? Because, like, when you see the videos of these guys out there, if you get a particularly bad section of weather, they're all kind of at a walk. You know, right. they're all just sort of hiking. Um, and then when you, um, and when the weather lets up a little bit, you'll see them running again. Right. So I think that's going to dictate the time more okay. than anything. I don't think there's too much like we get to do. 
um, to really control it other than be totally prepared and just push hard. Like in a weird way, like you, you kind of want to say, well, what if you just ran a hundred miles, slept a, an hour, ran a hundred miles, slept an hour, ran 68 miles, and then you're finished. No. Well, it sounds great. Right. But like, I just don't think there's any way no that's way. possible. No. So, um, so I think as we get a little bit closer, I'll start planning it out a bit more and dig right. in. But, um, you know, I'd like to, you know, if I could get in the, uh, I don't know, the top group of people that, you know, finish would be great you know whatever that means yeah do you know what kind of that time frame is like oh what, yeah like yeah from so where to you're, where? you're kind of in this like four or five day you know kind of <laughs> oh. range of, so uh, we've gone from a 24 hour time to go like a four and a half day yeah yeah right <laughs> that's pretty serious well it's it, it'd be interesting because like uh you, if you know you, you know you, you can run you kind of have a sense of what your 100 mile times are and stuff right. but yeah, 200, it's the weather, really, but this, you get the 268 miles to deal with. Uh, you know, 200s are kind of, a, as uh, Stephen Jones would say, the new 100, right, yeah, yeah. you know? So it was funny back uh, when he and I were talking about this. It was the one thing where I was like, well, I'm doing 268, <laughs> and uh, he, he was accepting of that, that did uh, hit that hit mark. The 200 mark. But he's actually the one to talk Dom into running the 100 miles. He was like, oh, okay. you know, his what, what Stephen was always about was trying to see someone kind of, hit your personal best. Like, right. it didn't matter if you're in a lead or if you're back of the pack. He just wanted everybody around him to have the best experience possible. And so his reasoning, and he was applying it to me, I just I just don't see myself doing a bunch of these. But, like, to Dom, um, who wants to go back and do the 268 one, but he wants to nail the course record there, the, the strategy that really he and Steven kind of put into place is run the 100-mile version, get a feel for it, get the experience, and then go back and do the 268. Right. I kind of look at it like, well, I'm probably doing this once. And yeah. uh, I'm just going to go hit this thing and, like, you know, call it good. You happens. better finish it and don't get stuck in that pub. Yeah. Uh, well, if I do get stuck in the pub, it better be a good story, yeah. I guess. We keep, like, keep all these Instagram updates, and it's still, he's still in the he's pub. He's still there. 20 still minutes later, yeah, exactly. picture. <laughs> I'll be like, no, it's just my tracking device, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so that's the big thing. I, I think there's I'm going to do some more adventure racing between now and then um, for fun. I'm going to head out in September and do a uh, – a 30-hour one, which is, uh, will be fast. And, you know, if you think about it now, we're kind of back into the scale of, you know, our 100-mile races. So that would just be kind of good fun. I did sign up for the Red Bull 400, totally goofy oh, thing. Oh, that but looks like fun. 400 meters up the ski jumps. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Olympics looks, like fun, looks like fun to watch. Same day as uh, the Bear, right? Yeah, that's the thing that's a bummer about it here. It's also the same day as the North Face races. Yeah. So you got the Bear, the North Face, and this Red Bull 400 all in the same day. <sighs> and I'd been running the aid station out at... Um, uh, the North Face race last mm -hmm. couple of years, uh, and and at the same time I have friends that are running the Bear, and I want to go pace and crew, right. but I decided to be a little selfish, and I signed up for this Red Bull 400, and uh, you know you're going to make one maybe two laps up this thing, 400 meters up a ski jump, just blow your lungs apart, right, and uh, your day's done. So it might be the easiest of all things, but it just seems fun, like just fun, and that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> fun so. to, it looks fun to watch on my book, anyway. Yeah. I want to try it once, but I think it's a schedule problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does, That's my it, excuse. I think it, it is one of those really things where I think anybody can do it. Yeah. Um, and it's just about how much you destroy yourself when you right. go with the thing kind of deal. Yeah. But we'll have to see. You know, we have a person that runs on the store race team, Liz Steven. And uh, Liz... I mean, one, to be clear, she's a phenomenal athlete. I think she's been to one or two Olympics, you know, in Nordic skiing. So, like, wow. she's she's kind of, you know, uh, obviously uh, the ability, uh, if you will, to put herself into the red zone on cardio and hold there right. for a while. She could probably tell us to the exact second, like, how long she can hold it. <laughs> but she set the world record on the Red Bull 400 last year uh, oh. on that course. So she doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to make her my coach. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> you might regret that. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can just tow. Like, maybe she can just pull me. There you, you know, go. Exactly. Just tuck in behind her, right? Tuck in behind Liz and just have her pull me. That'd yeah. be great. 
Well, uh, well, we really appreciate you, number one, letting us hang out here. Yep. You know, we try and dress nice so we don't scare off the customers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious about that home away from home. Like, you know, I, it really I always, is. We had uh, some people come in on, uh, they were out running today, and they just stopped in the store to grab water, and, you know, Jenilyn and I were there chatting with them and saying hi, but, like, that kind of stuff makes us all, like, warm and fuzzy because, yeah, like, right. we just want this to be, like, a comfortable place for people to hang out. It is. Yeah. Well, we love it, and yep. we... You know, it's been if two we, weeks since we came up last. If we lived up here, we'd be here all the time. Yeah, you'd That's probably right. get Seriously. sick of seeing that for yeah. sure. Best coffee house in uh, town. Well, we'd like to think so, but we make a good drink, and so we'd, we'd make some stuff for you to hang out and, and then, enjoy Do you yourself. guys have wine on Thursday nights now? Well, I've been telling people that, so I guess that I, depends. I hope it's true. Well, <laughs> if, if the DABC is listening, absolutely not. No, definitely we, we not. We would never do such a thing. You have grape juice on Thursday nights. Yeah, fermented grape juice. Yes. Uh, now, I, you know what happened? Uh, how that got kicked off though was we had a, a private function and we had a bottle of wine left over, and someone's oh. like, "Hey, we should have that." <laughs> it's uh, Thursday night. It's Thursday night. Let's yeah. So, so that just kind of we're like, "Yeah, all right, whatever." And uh, but yeah, all suddenly like, everybody responded to it. We're like, I, "I guess we're doing wine nights Thursday night." So you know, if you're over 21, you want to bring your own uh, your own wine up. Or I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say. You know, like to keep it clean here in Utah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, come on up. There's probably a social event going on Thursday nights around All here. Right. There you go, social event. I like it. Thursday night over 21 social events. Yeah. Well, yeah. We uh, thanks again uh, for getting on the show with us. Congratulations on an awesome year yeah. so far. Some oh, cool thanks. stuff. And uh, we look forward, forward to, to hearing year. the stories oh, of yeah. the the spine race for sure. Yeah, that's gonna be an interesting one. I'm definitely gonna have to have a camera out there with me on that one. Yeah. Right. A little GoPro Sufferfest, you know, or That'll something. That'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for again for opening up to us. Um, we will talk to you soon. We'll probably be back sooner than later. Probably. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We'd like to thank Canis Hart for taking the time to join us today. We'd also like to thank Park City Run Company for their hospitality. If you haven't been up here, please make sure you get in the door. We'd also like to encourage everybody to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners, or swing by the website at trailmanners.com. Stop by the store page for some gear, or hit us up on the contact page and let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on our show. Until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.